purposely offside here. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. As always, you're alongside Jordan Battaglia. We got a lot to talk about today. NFL season started. We're in fantasy pools. We're in survivor pools. Isn't it a ton of fun to have sports back? Oh, I'm breathing such a sigh of relief now like, because I just, you know, you just get that much energy. I know, like, all day Sunday, even Monday night, I was just glued to the couch all day. Yeah. Just from 1, 12.30, 1 o'clock to last night after the Saints-Texans game, I was just in the couch. And, and I was so content and so happy that I, just, I did not have a care in the world at that moment. Something about week one in the NFL. I don't know what it is. It's probably because you haven't had NFL football since the beginning of February with the Super Bowl. But there's something about week one. It's unpredictable. It you know you got like I said you got fantasy football back. It's just there's something about week one. It's just it's riveting. I just stop watching. I just think there's just you know because there's money involved. If you're you know if you're on Instagram, everything's about you know betting. Um, fantasy's kicking off. You know you're heated. You want to see how your lineup's going to do for the first week. There's you know, stories just, at left, right, and center. So many storylines already, and it's just week one. Like I know what we have. We had a heavy, heavily vested interest in the Sunday nighter. I, for one, have been just absolutely sick and tired, sick and tired of this Antonio Brown saga, which is never going to go away. It's never because he's now on the New England Patriots, which which is the team I support, which is just just a disaster. If you're an NFL fan, if you're an NFL fan. Aside from anyone in Boston or a Patriots fan, you're saying, "What else is this team gonna do?" Like anyone else, I don't sure think you'd be content with him going to, to that team. I've never seen or heard anything like this Antonio Brown story, and you never will. It's the, it's a nightmare. Probably since like, do you remember when Manny Ramirez like had those last years with the Boston Bruins, or sorry, the Boston the Bruins, the Boston Red Sox, and he just like tanked as an individual player because he wanted out so so bad. He wanted out of Boston. That's like this is the the equivalent to that in the football world. Like I've never seen anything like it. A guy actually playing his way no actually not even playing. Not he didn't even play a game. To play. A guy um forcing the hands of an organization to let him go. Crazy. Like I, it's just a bizarre story. I thought the guy was nuts. I thought Antonio Brown was nuts. Maybe, I mean, the more you read into the story, it looks like he's a genius. He's, he hired social media consultants to help him accelerate him getting released from the Raiders. It's just, it's really fishy. Okay, so and let's start there. Okay, you want to start there? Let's start yeah, there. What's right, fishy about it? What is fishy about Antonio Brown doing this? It's just... Where do we even start? Like it, it just starts with him in, in Pittsburgh. Like he he wanted out. He clearly there's clearly rifts going on in the locker room. Well, that's and that's he called out Big Ben. He that's was, well documented. He had you know was pulling these tra- tantrums all last year, even going back to that whole you know Juju MVP story. 
Um, and you're a, and you're a Pittsburgh fan, oh, yeah. Jordan. So, so what I, like what were some of these riffs? Like I I don't like follow the team that closely. What were some of the well, riffs? He started, in the locker he started room? acting up with like you know there was that whole Facebook Live incident when he was recording during one of uh, Mike Tomlin's like post game post game talks in the dressing room, which I is a pretty that. intimate moment. You know, it's a moment between you know coach and players, and this guy's off in the locker room, you know, recording, you know. Uh, recording something that shouldn't personal be personal confi- yeah. which should be a confidential chat and he did the same thing with John Gruden same thing um uh you know there's the whole off you know field issues with him and his family where there was that whole thing where he was throwing the couch off the balcony um almost hit i think it was a child almost hit a child with the couch wow. which could have caused you know serious serious injury um Going into last year, there, there was just a lot of locker room issues in the Steelers dressing room leading up to the end of the season where, you know, he was going off on Juju Smith-Schuster, who was named team MVP, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy was amazing. He's, you know, he's a bright star in this league now. Um, but, you know, just throwing tan- little tantrums left and right like that and just showing, you know, his discontent with, with being on the Steelers. So he gets a fresh um, start in Oakland. Ends up getting traded to the Raiders. They got two picks for him. Actually, first they traded him to the Bills, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Traded him to the Bills, said, I'm going to retire, refusing to play. Just completely unprofessional. Just a slap in the face of the entire Bills organization and their fans. Uh, they rescind the trade. End up trading him to Oakland for two picks. He shows up to training camp. He's going off on social media about all the helmet. You know that the, you know he he at first he was it seemed like he was perfectly fine with it. He was going off about Derek Carr and how great he is, and we're getting to work with John Gruden and the whole Oakland Raiders staff. Yeah, he was you know, talking he was up the organization. Up. He was a talking bit him up. Yeah. Training camp starts, and and then just an absolute nightmare. So, do you think as someone? Um you know, who supports the Steelers, uh, who obviously had Antonio Brown. Do you think that this whole thing was planned and coordinated by Antonio Brown? I mean, I don't think I even have to ask you that. Uh, it, it sounds like it was. 100%. Okay, so it, here's where I'm going with this. A lot of people are mad at the Patriots. So, of course, the Patriots picked them up. The model organization, the, you know, six-time Super Bowl champions. Um, do you think there was any dirty business on the side of the New England Patriots? Well, there's got to be two parties to that because there ha- there's a contract involved and it's obviously in the millions of dollars. So there obviously had to have been some mutual agreement between both of them. Uh, it was just, it's what's really fishy is how quick that whole thing happened from him going off Pushing, pushing every button he could. To them, to the argument with Mike Mayock, to him asking the team to release him, he gets released, and then within five hours, he has he has a multi million dollar contract with the New England Patriots. But if you were just an, like that, if you were an organization, uh, one of the twenty nine other organizations in the NFL, you're watching this, for lack of a better word, shit show. Go on. Uh, with the Oakland Raiders between the Oakland Raiders and Antonio Brown. Don't you feel like you can handle the situation or handle Antonio Brown a little bit better maybe than Oakland can? Uh, It seems like Oakland was... 
seems like Oakland was uh, very willing at first to give in to his every demand. What? Well, and I, and then they started to play hardball. But don't you think as another uh, as the other twenty nine NFL teams, you sit on the sideline, watch this unfold, and say, "Hey, you know what? If he becomes available, let's take a chance on him." One-year deal, boom. And I think that's what the Patriots did. They stood on the sidelines, they saw an opportunity, and they took it because that's what the Patriots do. Now, that being said, they it's all about culture, right? With teams, it's all about culture. Uh, Oakland doesn't have that professionalism culture who plays up, or sorry, who plays down their players. A lot of organizations in the NFL, they play up their players. The Cowboys are a perfect example of that. Play up Zeke. They play up uh, Dak Prescott. The Patriots are a team that played down their superstars. Mm -hmm. And I just think that when you have that kind of culture, um, it's very conducive for people to come into your team and buy in. And I, and I think that's uh, is a perfect fit for Antonio Brown. But he had but, that, though. But I don't see any air or any wrongdoing on the Patriots' part besides just staying on the sidelines and taking advantage of a messy situation. I think that if anything, they may have played. How can I put this? Antonio Brown, I think, is a major factor in this whole situation. Well, he's what he did was wrong, right? What he did was completely greasy. wrong. It's greasy. He he was getting torn apart by the media the other day, saying how you know people were quoted saying that this is the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen in my entire yeah, life. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You had you had all time greats ripping him apart, like Jerry Rice ripped him apart. Yeah, saying that you know he played Oakland, right. and he was all for him going to the Raiders. Um, I, there, there's a lot of people to blame for this situation. There's a lot. There's people who may, may not, may not seem like there, there any harm to it. Like, for one, the Oakland Raiders are to blame, and how they handled the situation and their lack of control. Antonio, Total lack of control. Antonio yeah. Brown is come 100%, 150% to blame for this, obviously, because he's the one that pulled this off. Yeah. But, like, the thing that, that kills me is, like, how open he was about this entire thing. Like, yeah. you 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 go and you, you go to reporters and you run your mouth about how you hired people to help you with your videos and how you, you go on and you start tweeting about how, how you have all these plans in place. Like, look at all of this proof. Look at all this proof that he's put out there to show that he planned this entire thing. And guess who's going to shut that? One. Guess who's going to shut that right down? The NFL. No, no, the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots. He be, if he pulls one thing like that, if he pulls out his phone and starts a selfie video with Belichick talking in the background, he'll be so far out of that organization. Well, here, here's the thing. Now that he's there, you're going to see him be a model citizen. Well, that's what the Patriots do. And and it all relates back to culture, right? The, the Patriots have been building this culture for 15 plus years, right? It's culture. Oakland doesn't have that culture. Oakland has a culture um, who's led by a very player-friendly coach in John Gruden, a guy who runs the offense, doesn't know how to run an NFL team, but knows how to run a good offense. So let's let's go back to this whole... I bet we, me and you can both agree, Antonio and everyone can agree with this. Antonio Brown's in the wrong. This is a master plan, clearly, right? It's a master plan on Antonio 100%, Brown's hundred percent, hundred percent. He even stemming, this he, is he even back, admitted to that. This is stemming back to last like a year. My ago question when they tried is, to trade him originally. My question is, when did this master plan start? 
And I don't know if we'll ever get an answer out of that. I think it happened at the end of last year when they were trying to trade him. But but does his master plan start before the Raiders? Well, I think Or does this master plan start with the whole helmet issue? No, I think it starts going back to last year. Like you, when they were, when there were, I think this whole thing started when they knew that they were going to trade him. So you they, think he wanted whole, to go to New England the whole time? Oh yeah, why not? They they that's their arch nemesis. That's the team that look at. They got their asses kicked by them on Sunday. That's the team that's constantly beating them, and that's the one team that the Steelers can't beat. Yeah, and and he knows it because he's had to play against them many times, whether it's in the playoffs or late in the year, always battling for the AFC. That's the, yeah, one, that's the one team. team. That's the one team that they cannot beat. I think it's interesting how um, we we might we might even we might never actually, but if we do, it'd be so interesting to see when like to put a timeline on this on when exactly he started because we have no proof. For what you just said, we have no proof of that. Like it might be the case, but like we don't have any proof of that that he actually devised this plan since his time in, in with the Steelers. Well, apparently, the apparently New England offered him. Um, offered them a trade, and obviously they declined it. Yeah, they, there is no way in hell they're going to trade him there. Well, and and why wouldn't they? Right? Why wouldn't the Patriots want Antonio yeah. Brown? He's the best receiver in the league. Why wouldn't anybody? It's like want it's him? like if the Leafs didn't have Freddie Anderson, yeah. uh, they'd probably offer a trade for Carey Price. But it doesn't mean that that the Habs are going to send Carey Price to the Leafs. You know why wouldn't they go for Antonio Brown? I think just using that, it, it it's it's a little. You, you can connect the dots there, but there's still some uncertainties. There's still things unproven. Um, I just get annoyed when a lot of people, I guess, are quick to say, oh, there's some dirty business on the Pats well, part here I, I 100%, based on their past. I 100% think that there's definitely some behind-the-scenes chatter between his agent who's been known to be you know, not a very well-liked agent. Yeah, a little. he's a little snake, um, eh? So... It's just there. Antonio Brown's antics, who his agent is, the New England Patriots history. You're, uh, that that narrative is obviously going to get brewed as soon as something like that happens. So tampering. Let's say let's say there was a tampering issue with this. Let's say it gets investigated. I don't think it's going to. Obviously, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, they can't go and talk to Antonio Brown. But can Brady send a text to Antonio Brown and say, "Hey, buddy." Would love to play with you. I don't know if it works the same way as like you see in the NBA. Um, but is that like I'm sure would that be considered tampering? I'm sure, obviously, you see talks in person. Like you can't you can't openly come out in the media say, and say we want these guys. That's when like you know you get fined and stuff. But you know, there's obviously conversations that are going to happen behind the scenes. You can't stop people from talking to each other. Like, and that's my point exactly. These things happen if it's the Patriots or yeah. not, right? These conversations happen, like you said, in the NBA. They happen in the NFL. Players talk. I, I am not denying, you know, for all the, the people that are, you know, hating on the Patriots, saying, "Oh, they're greasy. They, they're cheaters. Spygate, uh, Deflate Gate. Now that now, uh, getting Antonio Brown and tampering. Like, th- they might have done a little bit of talking. Like, players might have been done a little bit of talking, but it's nothing that's ever not happened before. I guess is my point. I think if they if they really wanted to stop this, the Raiders wouldn't have released them. They would have just yeah. they would have just suspended him for the entire year, suspend him, fine him, and let him sit. Yeah, but they went and said, okay, you know what? I've had enough. They they called this bluff, and they fined him, and then they 
they terminated his contract. Yeah. I mean, if they really wanted to play hardball, they could have just let him sit. Guy loses out on like 29 or $30 million and just runs tarp off in his backyard yeah. and calls his grandma that he got released. I've never seen a that, guy so happy to lose 30 mil. That is the That was my huge issue. Well, that's just dumb. When, when I saw that happen, I went, wow, son of a bitch. He orchestrated this entire thing. And you know what, Jordan? Even, even, even though I'm a Patriots fan, it's kind of tough to see a guy being rewarded like this for such poor behavior. But that's the thing. It sets a, it sets a horrible um, well, example. We talk, it's, it sets a horrible example for fans, young kids watching this. For sure. Uh, I watched uh, – or I didn't watch. I saw a tweet the other day from someone. who was somebody in the media. He was talking about like uh, – no, sorry. This was related to the Dolphins, but something similar. It's like, you know – he pulled out like the millennial line of like all millennials not not going through adversity and you know just bailing on a team when times are tough or when your team's not good enough and like I mean it makes complete sense if you're looking at somebody pull this it's like what what precedent does it set for other players? There's already issues with holdouts. Look at the NBA holdouts. You know players just jumping shit from teams that are are you know tanking or, or poor. No holdouts in the NBA though. People just get paid. No, because they're just going. To, they're going to free agency and they're just jumping. Just shit. get max. Yeah, they they max jump ship a lot. And they're yeah. just jumping shit. They jump and ship. Going to play with their friends. Like, there's no loyalty in any sport. Yeah. We've talked about this before. There's no loyalty in any sports. Hockey probably is the hockey. One. There's a tougher cap. They're not making as much. That's going to change though. Yeah. Um, and there's just more flexibility that way. Like I said, the players are starting to run these leagues. They're they're so they're becoming so valuable that they're just be also becoming untouchable. Yeah, and, and you know, Brown goes to the Patriots. Again, as a Patriots fan, yeah, great. Antonio Brown's on our team. He's going to do well. He's playing with Brady as long as he can keep his his act together. But it does kind of sting for just a, any person, any any NFL fan, any sports fan to see a guy rewarded for poor behavior. And who knows, like maybe at the end of this, he even gets a Super Bowl ring. That'll kill everybody. Like at least like I feel bad for the Raiders. Because, I do, And too. their fans, because they got nothing out of this whole deal. At least the Steelers, they traded them. They got two picks. But you said this a few weeks ago, and it makes perfect sense. And it worked for the Steelers, too. You said addition by subtraction, right? So you said the same thing for the Steelers. Addition by subtraction. Maybe for Oakland, it's addition by subtraction, too. They don't need that whole circus going around. Well, they won last night. And they so. won last night. And Josh Jacobs had a hell of a game, and I have him on my fantasy team. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't watch much of it, but... It's tough. Those division games are always tough, especially week one. But try to stay up for that, but just wasn't happening. The, I watched the Saints uh, Texans game. That was amazing. Great game. That was probably one of the best Monday night games I've ever watched. Poor, poor coaching decision on the Texans' part. Um, like scoring early? Not scoring early. Just giving them so giving um, New Orleans so much space. I think they moved their safeties back. Just giving them so much space to make that. Yeah. Uh, I think that 10-yard pass to Set make it a 63-yarder to a 52-yarder or something 58. like that. 58-yarder, I should say. Um, so horrible call yeah. on the defensive part of the, of the Texans, yeah. but what a game. I couldn't believe it. Like You saw like two lead changes in like the last minute. The, the, the crazy part was they, they punt the ball inside the 10, and you think, okay, that's it, game over. Get the ball, two plays, touchdown. Full field. Yeah. Two passes. And then, like, you're just sitting there going, 
holy shit, this game's over. Just like that. Willie. Game-winning drive. Amazing. Willie Lutz. But then you just say, hey, man, Drew Brees. You don't give the ball back to Drew Brees that much time. He's going to orchestrate an amazing drive. Vintage Brees. Yeah. And, you know, it's they didn't really look like the Saints that we're used to seeing um, in the first half, which was kind of scary to me because I actually picked you. I mean, I picked them to win the Super Bowl. Um, But they turned it up. They turned it up and they they come back and beat the Texas 38, sorry, 30 to 28. Week one's interesting though because it's, it always is. It's always teams shaking the rust off and new players, rookies, veterans who haven't played all year. It's I'm in a survivor pool and it was so difficult to pick. Uh, not not difficult to pick games. Seattle was obviously the consensus consensus pick this week. I would have picked Baltimore if well, I was in a survivor pool. You would have picked Baltimore, yeah. yeah. I'm going with that game 100. percent Well, I guess when you look at the you know the Miami Dolphins are. Full out tank mode right now. That's a story all in itself. They lose fifty nine ten to the Baltimore Ravens, and, and half the roster is asking for a trade after the game. And then they woke up today and said, "Oh shit, we're playing the New England Patriots this week." Oh god! Just when it can't get any worse, <laughs> Tom Brady, I'm starting Antonio this- Brown, Josh <laughs> Gordon, and Julio Edelman. Have fun with that I'm, 0-2. I'm starting Brady in fantasy this week. You might as well. Over, He's going to go over off. Over my guy, Patty Mahomes. You know, although historically, I should say, the Dolphins have had the number not, not this of year. the Patriots. Probably not this year. I think you're going to see a similar score to the, the last weekend. And by number, I mean like a split in the season. Yeah. No, no. You're, I think you're going to see Brady put up five TDs this week. Probably. three. I'm going 350 yards, five TDs. I mean, for the the Patriots are a lock this week, but historically they the Dolphins do give them a tough go whenever they play in Miami. But that's not going to be the case. I think you're going to see everybody pick the Patriots in the Survivor pools this week. So I think the lock last week was Seattle. Um, was it? Sims looking here. Seattle versus because um, I didn't pick the Seattle versus the Bengals. Everyone had that. Like it was probably the number one pick in my Survivor pool. The Seahawks only won twenty one twenty. I picked the I picked the Philadelphia Eagles. Nothing they gave me a heart attack. They were down twenty to seven, going into half, and I'm like, "Am I going to be the loser that's out week one in a survivor pool?" But luckily, uh, just like the New Orleans Saints got off to a sort a slow start uh, and finished strong, the Eagles did the same thing. They were lights out in the second half. Wentz was looking like his predictable MVP self, and Deshaun Jackson back on the Philadelphia Eagles. What a game! Deshaun Jackson had um, 154 yards, two TDs. Should have took him in fantasy football because I think he was available late in the late rounds. But he had a, he had a great game. But are you in a survivor pool? Nope. I'm only doing our league. Surprising. Yeah, it is. So you're only doing the fantasy football. You're yeah, only I want to scale football. it back. It's involved too much. I wanted to just. Sounds like a guy who's lost a lot of bets. Oh yeah, <laughs> got to scale up. Week back. one, I'm putting that ban on my account soon. That's it, one and done. What for the for bet three six five online betting? See, I haven't I haven't done that yet. It's, don't it's it's so addicting. That's why I don't want to do so it. It's so easy to do that you just literally sit at home, two presses of a button, you got money in your account, and you're just having at her. Just giving her. You watch the one o'clock games. You might put some bets down. Just a tenner couple, down. A couple burner parlays. 
<laughs> then the then the four o'clock games start and you're pissed off from the one o'clock games. So you try oh, to you shit. think you're going you're in double or money. Then you get tipped off about another game where you see people online. You know, if you follow any um, like man, the the what makes it worse nowadays is all of the social media accounts tied to, to sports betting. Now that they legalize sports betting in the U.S., mm-hmm. there's you know Bleacher Report betting. I think Cabby. Cabby works for them now. Oh yeah, he's not. He's gone from TSN. Um, I think he's with Bleacher Report because he's. I've seen him on the betting um, Instagram uh, uh, handle and like accounts. And yeah, it's tough now. You got like all these parody accounts for betting. It's you know unless you're unfollowing them, it's it's tough to do. So it just attracts you. Oh yeah, they the 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 it sucks you it's in. It's just like it's like a it's like you're at the casino, but you're sitting on your own couch. Well, that's dangerous. Yeah, it is very dangerous. That's why I haven't downloaded it. Yeah. I don't know if I can do it. I mean, I want it. You know how many times I just sit there and think about it? Yeah, it's, it's And I'm like, hard. I better not. You'll think, it, you'll think a game is a lock, and then they'll just get upset. So I got to figure out who to pick for next week. Uh, the Patriots seem like I a think, lock for the Survivor Pool. But you want you want to save them for later weeks, too. But you also want to survive the first three weeks. Like, I, I just want to get through. Like, I want to at least get through five, six weeks Thank God I didn't go out first week. That would have been embarrassing. The first few weeks are hard because there's a lot of division games. A lot of division games. I would pick. I might have to go with the Patriots this week because there's some there's you know Jags, uh, Texans. That could be. I mean, that's a, that, he, I would say you got to stay away from division games sometime. I took Philly over Washington. I surprisingly picked the division game for the Survivor Pool, but I'm just because I'm so confident in Carson Wentz and not so confident in Case Keenum. Yeah, but who knows what you're getting with Jacksonville this week? I mean, yeah, Foles is out. Um, their and, backup looked pretty good. I watched that game, and it's just it's the NFL, right? Anything can yeah. happen. So just uh, as we conclude the NFL, biggest surprise thing that stood out to you this week in the NFL in week one. Um, good, bad doesn't matter. Biggest surprise is how how just how terrible the Steelers looked on Sunday night. What was with that? 33-3. They lost there's by 30 lot. to the Patriots. There's, What's up? There's a lot going wrong with them. They got... Well, last year they could have blamed Antonio Brown. They have and, no identity on offense. I, I still think... Um, I mean, it's tough because the, the Patriots always... It's a tough opponent right off the bat. It's tough to always tough to go into Foxborough. They never do well there, even without Gronk and A.B. Um, Is Big Ben just, done? No. He's not. He's I just thirty-seven think years old. They dude. just they, they just don't have the right game plan. Mike Tomlin said it after the game. We we just where they're out coached again. He doesn't look good. He doesn't, he doesn't look good because he wasn't getting any help. I think their play calling was atrocious. You see those third third and ones. They're running these just ridiculous pitch plays. Disgusting. Just fourth and inches, and they're they're punting the ball. They they weren't aggressive. Their defense looked atrocious. Their like sec- I would their have secondary them. Was so bad. So there, there's just a lot of issues. I don't think it's not it's not Big Ben, it's it's their it's their play calling, it's their coaching, and this is and everybody said this. I think this is the last year for Tomlin. If they don't make the playoffs, and they don't compete this year, he's gone. I think they'll clean house, and you'll see them fire well, last all the, last year. Fire all their coordinators and just and just get a new coaching staff because this is just this is a joke. Last year you had a lot of scapegoats, right? You had like I said, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell holding yeah. out. This year it's kind of all on Tomlin, right? If he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't take this team to the playoffs, not only to the playoffs and win, maybe make it to at least the AFC Championship game, I think he's out. 
A lot of pressure on the problem is they don't have the stars to do it. They don't. I still don't think Juju is a, a a star. I think he is. I think he's a couple years away potentially, but they have no support for him. Like there's no and the offensive line number two, number three. The offensive no line. Tight end. Their offensive line is still good. They just they they don't have the they don't have the receiving support like they did last year. They don't have the weapons for sure. Yeah. They lost. I mean, you lose Le'Veon Bell and, and Antonio Brown. You are losing some major weapons there. Although, I mean, James Conner, James Conner, and Juju are still good players. Yeah, you can win with them. I don't know. I think Ben. I think Big Ben's. He's getting up there, man. Two seventy six is all he threw for on Sunday. Twenty seven for forty seven. One interception. I don't know. 37 years old, buddy. He, he took a lot of hits. He's took a beating over his career. And oh, he's yeah. had a great career. But I don't know. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. But we'll that, fi- I mean, we'll I find g- out. I'm going to the game Sunday. Yeah. So. The Seahawks, right? <sighs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's going to be a good game. Their home opener. A lot of people mm-hmm. are going to be pissed about them getting their asses kicked against New England. So I, I don't know. The stadium's going to be. We can be rocking. Good pick though with the surprise because that I mean I have the Steelers up there in the AFC for sure. You think of the AFC, you think Patriots this year, uh, Chargers, oh, the Chiefs, man. Chiefs, Chiefs, and then but you put the you put the Steelers in that category and they just got rinsed. Yeah, but I mean I'm not going to go as so did the Browns. Well, that's <laughs> Every, my everybody's Super Bowl pick this year. Look my AFC North like, pick, the Browns there. just got rinsed by the Tennessee Titans. You know. It, in football, if you're cocky as an organization going into a season who has nothing to be cocky about, the Browns have nothing to be got to, to, to be cocky about. The NFL will shut you up really quick, and boy, did the Browns get shut up this oh, week. Yeah. Just dusted, man. Yeah. Ba- Baker got embarrassed. Embarrassed for all, for all the. The trash talking and all the cockiness. And OBJ's the, got embarrassed. Yeah. We're in a $350,000 watch as he played. What, what are you doing? Like, you're showing off. You haven't done anything yeah. yet. Pulls up in a roll, custom made Rolls Royce for the game. The Browns, right now, I mean, I'm so disappointed I even picked them. What was I thinking? Um, I'm going to stick with them, though, because I, you know, that's what I do. I got to stick to my pick. But if they, <laughs> they are all show right now and just nothing. They're just nothing. They're all show. It's week one. All show. It's week one. It's week one. You you can't be quick to judge teams yet. They're still settling in. They're still finding. Oh yeah. Like I guess finding themselves as cliche as it sounds, but well, um, I mean, a one week can say a lot. But I mean, at the beginning of the season, yeah, that yeah. they could go on a on a four or five game winning yeah. streak. That could be a game that where they really learned a little bit about themselves and a little bit about how to be a little more humble rather than be. Um, a little too cocky yeah. uh, or a little too high on themselves for a team that hasn't proved anything. But you're right. Can't bury them yet, but man, were they humbled this week. We'll oh, see how they um, react to it. Quite a fun. few people took them in the survivor pool too, which I'm surprised with. I wouldn't start off with no a Cleveland Browns I pick. I, I don't think I would ever take the Cleveland Browns in survivor pool. Yeah, I got to try to avoid them. I'm definitely going to avoid them and they, unless they start turning things around, but – you just don't know what you're getting with that organization sometimes. Mm-hmm. They've been crap for so long. You know? But what are you going to do? All right, let's move on. NFL, always fun to talk about the NFL. But there'll be tons more to talk about 
uh, after next week. Why don't we get into the Toronto Maple Leafs? What a transition, eh? The Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You knew this was coming, people. Yeah. So um, you can't get away from it. I mean, we should just plug this right now. We're going to be talking to the head coach of the Hamilton Bulldogs. uh, For as you notice, there's no radio show this week, only podcast. Um, but we'll be talking with the head coach, new head coach, Vince Lace of the Hamilton Bulldogs. We actually are going to sit down with him. Not sit down. We're going to call him tomorrow and do a phone interview with Vince Lace uh, tomorrow. And that will and be airing on Monday on 93.3 at 9.30 a.m. Um, this is a big one. It's yeah, a big one. It's an interview a, in a while. And, I, yeah. And uh, it's it's nice to... Nice to get a hockey mind on the show. It's, and that's it, right? It, We're going to talk about, um, you know, the Bulldogs' expectations for this year. He actually coached Connor McDavid. So can't wait to uh, ask him a little bit about how it was coaching, who is now one of the best players in the world. Um, and we'll get into some hockey talk about the RFAs, Mitch Marner, and all that stuff. So I'm really fired up for that interview. Again, that is Monday, uh, coming up Monday at 9.30 on 93.3 CFMU. So as we transition into hockey talk, I'm going to ask you, Jordan, when the hell is Mitch Marner going to sign a contract? Uh, I have no idea. At, at this point, it seems like they're at a complete stalemate. I know a few weeks ago or you know, last time we were all together, I said he'll be signed by, game, by the first game. I'm and a lot so, of people still hold that view. I'm not so sure about that anymore. There's a few people who uh, who share that view, some columnists, some sports writers in, in, in Toronto. They believe that opening day he'll be in the lineup. I, 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 I'm still optimistic because there's that window before the season starts where the guys that are on LTIR get moved to LTIR to free up that cap space before the season starts. Mm-hmm. I'm still optimistic that that's the window that, if you know, if there is a chance – he is signing before game one. That is going to be the window of opportunity once that cap space is freed up. Um, but, again, it's all going to be number and term. There there were reports coming out this week saying he's going to get a short term, like a three-year deal. I think that's an absolute mistake on the Leafs' part if they offer him a bridge deal. Yeah. you got to go minimum five years, five-year extension minimum. Yeah. Five, maybe six to line him up with Austin. Uh, right, but I think anything less than five, I think that's a big mistake. You're opening up your, you're opening up, they're opening themselves up to, uh, you know, to just open up their pocketbooks again. And well, they're gonna have to. Marner's not a guy that you can't open up your pocketbooks for. It's just like how how much are you willing to give him? How much are you willing to spend? And how much is Marner willing to? I don't want to say leave on the table because I think whatever he gets is going to be enough. I think we've talked numbers on this show so much with Marner. Like we said, 10, 10 and a half is fair. Like, do you think the Leafs have offered Mitch Marner? Like, because they must have offered him something. So, like. I bet you they've offered him at least 10. Do you think they've offered him at least 10? I think so. I have a hard time. Do you think? I have a hard time believing that. They've offered him like eight? I don't know. Like. I think they've offered him. Okay, listen, I'm Mitch Marner. I'm I'm on the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
Toronto boy playing with Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Willie Nylander. Billy Nylander. Billy freaking Nylander. Billy freaking Nylander. Esquire. Austin freaking Matthews with that pencil stash. Beauty. epic. If you're like, if I'm like Kyle Dubas and I slip over a piece of paper, a contract saying $10 million, if I'm Mitch Moore, it looks pretty good. That's higher than Kucherov. Different market, different time of signing, but 10, 10 and a half. Like, dude, sign the contract. I got to think that like, if you're Marner, you got to be like, you got to be at least tempted to sign that and get this over with and get in that lineup, get the training camp. He must be really, if he has been offered that, he must be really getting coached by his his dad I'm sure and is. his agent, Pat Brisson. I'm, I think they're pushing him to get Austin's deal, 11-7, 11-6. And I, you know, I don't even want to have the discussion if he's worth that because we've had it a variety of, of times. I don't even want to go there again. I'm so sick of talking about like if he's with it, people already know how we feel about that. I don't think he should get Austin Matthews money. So you think you think they've lowballed him? Like what number do you think? What, what's the number you think they've offered? If I'm Marner and I'm and I get let's say the Leafs offered him 10, 10 and a half, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Dad, age, Pat, I think we should sign this. The Leafs must have lowballed him. Eight, nine, nine and a half. I don't it's know. Possible. Because this stalemate's going on for longer than I've expected, longer than you expected, longer than Leafs Nation has expected. Right? You got all these RFAs out there. Um, they say they're waiting for Marner, but who knows? I mean, Kyle Connors in that situation, Patrick Lyon is in that situation for Winnipeg, Brock Besser. These are go- these are the, the the game. The NHL's top stars not signed. Now I don't know if they're exact. I don't know if they're waiting for Marner. Maybe maybe they are. Braden Point is another restricted free agent who is probably the most valuable. You know, he's right up there with Marner, but he plays in Florida. And even if he gets nine million dollars, it's still more nine million dollars in Tampa Bay is more than nine million dollars in Toronto because there's no state tax in Florida. The Leafs must have lowballed Marner. Why else is is there just the stalemate and talk of him playing with the Zurich Lions? The Zurich Lions. Hey Matt. Hey Austin. Yeah. How was it playing for the Zurich Lions? Well, there there's a few Matthews played for a, the Zurich Lions. A few guys that are skating in Europe. I think um Rant is Rantanen. I think Line. But they're European. So you'd you would expect them to go back home, maybe find a local barn to 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 train in and um you know, to keep their legs up there. But Marner's Canadian. He's a Toronto boy. He's stay home. And there's all this talk of going over to Europe to play. It's pretty, pretty, unex- pretty unexpected from a guy like him. Uh, I 100% believe that he's been coached to do it. Unless his full intention is for him to stay, you know, stay fresh, you know, play with play with some pros. But you can do that here. Not once training camp starts. I but, thought the whole Zurich Lions thing was a big um, bluff, but it was actually yeah, reported that I think by Darren Dreger that it's a it's a pretty legitimate thing right now. He he's actually going to consider it, but he's essentially be paying them to play there because the insurance cost is is quite hefty. But he also has the opportunity to play with the Leafs too. He's got to pay his own way as well. So yeah. what do you choose? You choose to go over there. You choose to well, choose to stay home. I'll tell you one thing: with it, no contract, he ain't skating with the Leafs. No, but. I mean, if he gets hurt over there, that's the thing. Right? See ya. <laughs> it's just a that's, shame because that's the big issue. It's a shame for a variety of reasons. One, it's because it's uh, Mitch Martin is a great player. We need him. 
He's someone we want to have locked up long-term. Okay, two, the Leafs are missing out on, on a lot of different fronts. You know, uh, was it Kevin Shattenkirk that the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning signed? Yeah. So I'm not saying the Leafs would have sh- signed Shattenkirk, but Shattenkirk at one and a half million dollars, whatever he was getting, is the, a pretty the decent Leafs, bargain. The Leafs talked to him. And the Leafs talked to him. But they they couldn't offer him anything because they're kind of handcuffed with mm. this whole Mitch Barner situation. Look what Jake Gardner just got. Everyone was saying that Jake Gardner was going to get six, seven million. Carolina swept them for four four years at sixteen million, four million, just over four million a year. I'm sure the Leafs should have been on bar, uh, uh, you know, on point for that or game for that to sign Gardner to a deal similar to that, but they can't because they're handcuffed. So the, I mean, my issue with all this is there's a lot of uncertainty and lack of adding depth elsewhere in their lineup because they're so handcuffed with Mitch Marner mm-hmm. negotiations and talk and, and contract. So it's it's unfortunate. This is not the narrative you want to have going into this year. The narrative should be go kick ass this year. Go win a round. Yeah, you should you should be fired up to to sign and just get the hell out there. Especially yeah. after going through what they did last or the last few years, all these first round exits, losing a boss and like you should be pissed. You should be like, you know what? Let's get this done. I don't give a shit about um you know, if you're going to offer me 9-10, if we have opportunity to be locked up long-term and actually win a cup here. And just, you know, just realizing the opportunity, you should you should be fired up to to suit up. If you're, if you, here, I'll frame it the other way. If you are as honest as you are in saying that you love playing for the Leafs, you're a Toronto boy, you want nothing more to play for this team, sign the damn contract. Get the hell back out there. And go win a cup for your team. Yeah. And for this entire country and for this entire fan base. Yeah. You want to prove that you want to be here and you want to prove that you're born and raised here. You love playing for this team. Go take half a mil. Go take a mil less. Mil Maybe and a half, lock even. up some endorsements, which you already have. Maybe to make up a different, the difference and go win. I agree. Go, go maybe add more bonus incentives to go win. Maybe add, you know, most players have you know, Stanley Cup incentives written into their contract and bonuses once they do win it. But, you know, like yeah. I said, we're, we're sitting here, and you know it's a lot of money. Like, we, we throw it around like, oh, you know, it's just a million dollars a year. It's half a mil. It's a lot of money, especially in U.S. dollars. But not when you're making when 10 you're mil. Making, yeah, nine and a half, 10 U.S. living in Canada and playing in Canada. And being a hometown boy playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'd be happy with that. Ten million bucks a year. You'll U- never have to buy a meal or drink US. in Toronto ever again. Yeah. You want to talk about Kawhi and Dine? Yeah. You talk about Mitch and Dine if if that guy or if that guy won a, won a not even him. if he won a cup, even if he signs a deal. Yeah. Mitch Marner goes to a bar. He ain't picking up the tab. Yeah. No way. So, I mean, that that comes with the territory. Like, that 10 mil comes with the fame of playing in a top six, or sorry, an original six market. Playing in the hockey mecca of the world, Max Domi, <laughs> which is Toronto. Um, although I got to give him credit. You know, watching a game at the Bell Center on a Saturday night is absolutely incredible. Uh, but I don't know Mitch Marner. I don't know his dad. I don't know his agent. 
What I do know is if I'm Mitch Marner and I'm looking at 10 or 10 and a half, I'm thinking, let's – I already had one of my teammates, Billy Nylander, go through this contract dispute last year, miss a half a year, ruined his game. Nylander even admitted that. Completely ruined his game last year, and it showed. I have 10 and 10 and a half million. Let's sign and get this over with. That's why I'm thinking either A, the Leafs lowballed him, or B, the dad and the agent are really on his in his ear to say, you can set the market for wingers. That's that's such a that's such a piss poor way to go about it. But but at, but ultimately yeah, you set the market. But man, one you look out for yourself, and there's all that talk. Well, yeah, you know, I got to look out for myself financially. Right. Bro, you're gonna make a, you're gonna sign a contract for sixty million dollars. Yeah, you're not setting yourself up financially. Give me a break. Yeah, you're setting yourself sixty up million dollars. Let's say it's six years and at that, 10, and 10 you and know and that deal is gonna be Come front on. loaded like Matthews. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be like Matthews and Tavares. They're they're gonna make it lockout protected. They're going to be in signing bonus. He's going to make like, I don't know, maybe six, seven mil in signing bonuses. July 1st, 15 mil got deposited in Austin Matthews' account. That's front loaded contract. Good morning. 11.6 mil a year. Unbelievable. Got a lot of it. Front loaded, 15 mil direct deposit from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Mitch could have. Something very, yeah. not very, very similar to that. Nylander got the same thing as soon as Front he signed. Loaded. As soon as he signed, ten mil. Boom. Here's here's cash. See ya. And and you're living. You're not from. You're not from the states. You're not from Europe. You're living in Canada. Boom. Go convert that to Canadian dollars. There you go. You made Boom. an extra. You made an extra thirty percent. And you're gonna argue about dollars and cents, a mil, a mil and a half, buddy. Cash, deposited, front loaded. Take it, sign it, and go compete. It just makes me mad. Yeah. We're sitting here. And he and he's what, 20? 20. We're sitting here <laughs> at our jobs. Gonna grind. Yeah. That I think that's what frustrates. This guy can get a fifteen million dollar direct deposit. That's tomorrow <laughs> if he wants to. Yeah. Just sign a goddamn deal. Yeah. Don't worry about setting the market. Again, he's his own person, right? Mitch Martin is his own person. You shouldn't worry about setting the market. You should worry about winning with your team. That's Who it. Who gives a shit about everybody else? 100%. Like, I know, yeah, okay, you got buddies that are on other teams and stuff, but at the end of the day, you're worrying about the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're not worrying about the Colorado Avalanche, Tampa Bay Lightning. You're going to go yeah. into the playoffs again yeah. against. And, you know, you got Tampa Bay who's trying to fit. They're trying to fit every single guy under the cap, which they've done so far, except for point. And look, they're ready to go on and make a run, and we're sitting here worrying about a team that has barely any any defense, any defense, who hasn't even made it past the first round, and you're we're trying to sign a twenty year old who doesn't want to take a million or two, you know, pay cut just to go and play with some of the best players in the league. And I gotta say, it's a joke. Like, I don't know if you've seen, you know, Austin Matthews in the media lately, and um. They actually had the media day, the NHL media day last week. Um, you hear him have some interviews with TSN, Sportsnet. Uh, he had an interview with Tim and Sid last week. Guy just looks like a beauty and looks dialed in. Like, Austin Matthews looks and sounds like he's ready to have a big year. I think if he plays a full year, he's scoring at least 50 goals this year. I'm calling... At least 90 points for Austin Matthews this year. I think he's going to get 50 goals and 40 assists. Fourth year in the NHL. This guy, like, he's he's bigger. 
He looks more yeah. confident. He understands the game now. He, and he's paid. He's locked in. I'll give Babcock credit in one thing. He's good at developing his centers as two-way centers. He might not play them enough and limit their minutes, but he's good at developing centers into two-way players. And I think Austin Matthews in his fourth year has that down pat, has the defensive responsibility without losing his offensive ability. And I think he's going to have a breakout year this year. Which is crazy to say because look at look at because yeah he's had forty goals before he's had yeah ever since he came in they were talking about a breakout year the guy scored over forty goals over here but but you know what Jordan I think ninety to one hundred points is his next plateau because he's only with injuries like you said he's only got to about what seventy six points shy just shy of eighty I think this year is the year where he gets to like ninety a hundred going maybe maybe challenging even for the the heart or the art Ross. I think he's going to have a big year. Rocket Richard. So, I mean, that's what Marner has to come to terms with. You're getting a guy, a center in Austin Matthews, one of the best centers in the game. You still got John Tavares. You got Bill Nye, Willie Nylander. You still got Freddie Anderson, who's playing in his last year of a contract. You got Tyson Berry coming in. You have Morgan Riley, who's playing the best hockey of his life or did last year. Come in. Come on. They're they're ramping up for a cup run. And... Yeah, like I said, don't mess it up. You're gonna can't be a part wait, of it, or man. you're you're. I can't wait for the season we'll to start. use it somewhere else. Yo, I just so I just stumbled upon a story. It is the most Phil Kessel story I've ever seen. Well, probably because his name's in the headline. So there was a report that Malkin asked the Penguins to trade him if Kessel stayed with the Penguins. <laughs> Are you serious? Just reading it now. Are you serious? Yeah. Malkin's like, I want out if Phil's staying. Oh, my God. What's with the hate for Phil? <laughs> What's with, like, he won two who, cups. Who um, who posted that story? Well, this is on, this is on um, Score Mobile. Matt Teague with the article. Evgeny Malkin, Evgeny Malkin, sorry, may have influenced the club's decision to ship Phil Kessel to Arizona. Imagine that you play, you're playing with Sidney Crosby. How do, you, how do you hate Phil Kessel? You're on the same team as Sidney Crosby. And you're like, if Phil stays, I'm out. I mean, he has all the, all the power in the world to do that, but I don't get the hate. Like, I don't. He doesn't seem like a guy that's gonna go in there and create locker room issues. Like you just watch him and everybody loves the guy. He's just a joker. I just I mean, I, look at him. Anything Phil Kessel related is so funny because he's not funny. Like he's funny he's and just, a, he's funny he's and he just, doesn't know it though. He's awkward funny. Like his like his uh, <laughs> his introduction to fit to uh, the Phoenix Coyotes fan, the fan. Sorry. Oh my god. I hey guys, you didn't see that? No, I, didn't. I hope that article's satirical. I don't think so. I think Phil's known for being a little bit of a uh, what do you call? It? How do you call it? A uh, lackadaisical player? A hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but it's Phil. He's got two cups. It's Phil. He's still getting paid. He's still getting paid. He'll do well in Arizona. I mean, I'm sure they'll, they'll love it. They like their American players there for sure. Yeah. Oh, he'll he'll be. Fine there. Be fine in Arizona. He's going to be golfing every day. 
just couch, just lounging on the couch. As soon as he probably gets home too. for the rink. He's going to hit the course. I don't blame him. He's a big poker player. Go for a quick nine and then, you know, hit the chain in an off day. They got a few casinos out there. I was listening to um, what show was I listening to? Anyway, it was about uh, Phil Kessel back in the 2013 lockout. I think I was listening to a podcast or something like that. Anyway, there's a story about um, Phil. Is it 2013? Yeah, it was 2013 where they they didn't they didn't chill, didn't resume till January. And then I, I guess Phil just, you know, showed up to the rink. You know, after you know not playing hockey since like September or whenever they officially announced the lockout that year, shows up to the rink after it's announced that hockey's back. It's like mid-January. And I think, I don't know who he said this to, but I heard he's like, man, I haven't like, I haven't worked out in months. (laughs) It was definitely Bozy. I can't remember who he said this to, but it's just. 100% Bozy. Just no gym sessions, you know, in preparation for a potential season. <laughs> guys are out playing overseas, and the yeah, guys are playing shinny overseas. Playing in the AHL, this guy's sitting on his couch, just <laughs> chilling out. It's the, and then he goes out and scores thirty goals. That's the impressive thing about Phil. You hear how he's just, you know, he's not your typical Adonis physical specimen, but the guy puts up points. The guy puts up numbers. But like I said, his lackadaisical approach to the game, probably a reason why uh, Malcolm, Malcolm, sorry, wanted him gonzo. Yeah. So. Hey, did you watch uh, any of the U.S. Open? Nope. Nothing. Not eh? a minute. I got to say, you missed out, buddy. I f- was following it a bit on Twitter. Um, what was I doing? When was the final? Saturday? The final was Saturday, 4 p.m. That was the, Well, that was the women's final. The men's final was on Sunday between Adele and Medvedev, R- Russian. That was a good match, too. But obviously, everyone's eye, Canadian's eyes uh, were on Bianca Andreescu versus Serena Williams. And I got to say, man, like, Bianca Andreescu. So she's legit. Is le- Well, obviously, she's legit. She won the U.S. Yeah. Open, right? Like she, But she is a competitor. She has a fire in yeah. her eyes. And she competes, man. Well, that that was the problem with Jeannie Bouchard. You know, she's all razzle-dazzle, but at the end of the day, she's would just bow out early, no compete. You know, just, just couldn't hang with the best of them, couldn't fight back after going down in sets. And then now you got this, now you got Bianca. 19 years old. Comes in, plays with so much fire, and just, you know, doesn't get rattled and just stays focused, which is exactly what you need to be to be a successful tennis player, so... She wears her emotions on her sleeve, but she is always in full control. Like her, like she's so mentally tough and physically tough. It's nice. It's nice to see her beat Serena after after the Rogers Cup, because the whole the whole asterisk thing of uh, Serena, you know, withdrew due to injury, and she kind of like won by forfeit. Yeah, um, so it was nice to see her come back and actually beat her in a full, a full tennis match, with Serena battling back and, right, you know, going on her heels to push it to a, a third set. Did yeah. it go to a third set? 
It didn't go to it. She took it in two. No, she took it in two. She, uh, she was trying to force it. Well, Serena set. was coming back, right? It was 5-1 um, in the second set. Serena made it 5-4. Yeah, so it was nice to see her actually come in and beat her. In a, actually, she you know, made it 5-5, five, five, sir. To, you know, sort of, you know, calm the, I guess, the talk around uh, her previous win. So I saw a lot a lot of uh, analysts saying online that, that it was like a, one of the top moments in Canadian sports. Well, I, I think that's pretty subjective. Like, it definitely is one of the top moments in Canadian sports history, no doubt about it. But, I mean, for me, I'm a basketball fan. I'm a Leafs fan. I'm a big hockey fan, right? I think, for me, the Raptors winning the NBA championship, a Canadian NBA team, would rank higher in terms of a sports moment than Bianca Andreescu. But that's my own bias. That's my own... um, Yeah, that's my own bias. It's because I'm a bigger basketball fan. I invest more into basketball. I don't watch a lot of tennis... I'll be lying if I say I did, but you know, I actually really enjoyed the U S open because a reason for me to watch was watching a Canadian compete. Mm -hmm. I watched and I, and I watched every one of Bianca's matches because there was a lot of hype around her. She won the Rogers cup as well. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. But it, it, I guess what my point is, is it takes someone like that. It takes, um, what is now a superstar in Bianca Andreescu. And if she's not a superstar, she's an evolving superstar. It takes someone like that a Canadian like that to get people invested, myself included. Right. And that can, that can tailor down to, you know, young kids who are looking to uh, play competitive tennis. Uh, but it takes someone like that. It, you know, we, you, we had it with uh, Milos Raonic um, and Eugenie Bouchard, like you mentioned, but they never quite achieved what Bianca Andreescu achieved. And she achieved a championship on the biggest stage of them all, the U.S. Open. To speak on the men's front, Nadell winning, I think his 19th major. That's crazy. If you, I can't explain how good this match was. We've all you watched. watched the, you watched the full thing? I've watched the full thing. We watched Nadell and Federer. We watched Djokovic, Federer. Like this, uh, Nadell, Medvedev is from Russia. Like Nadell was up 2 0, and then Medvedev comes back, makes it 2 2. And then they're in the third, was the fifth set. And you can feel the fatigue on Adele because Medvedev was just returning everything. He was staying resilient. He wouldn't he wouldn't get put away. There was Nadal won on the, on the third championship point. Nadal was getting he was getting pushed to the limits. Um, and then to see him win. And execute some of his shots in in that kind of fatigue state. I mean, you you felt it before even playing soccer. You know, you're you're fatigued. You're tired. It's a five, bro. It's a five and a half hour match. Five like over a five hour match to see him land some of the clutch shots that he did at that at that time in the match was just super impressive. And it's like no wonder this guy has 19 Grand Slams. So I think watching the U.S. Open for me personally. It gave me a lot, a lot more respect for the game of tennis, and uh, it's getting me a little more engaged. But the reason that I started watching to begin with was because of Bianca Andreescu. Imagine getting her on the show. Did we try? Did I we, may we, or may not you, have DM her? tried to DM her. <laughs> I cannot confirm. Good luck or getting deny. her now. That's why I thought I'd, I thought I'd message her after the Rogers Cup, you know, when she wasn't as big of a superstar. Now I got to compete Good with luck. like Jimmy Fallon and yeah. 
all the tonight shows to uh, to get an interview. We'll but, get her on. But you know, we got a big one tomorrow. I'm excited for that. We we haven't like I said we haven't inter- haven't had an interview in a while, and uh, you know it'd be nice to get a hockey guy on. Like you said, just because we're we're ramping up for leaf season, it'd be nice to you know you don't hear much about the Bulldogs, even though we're living in such a big city, and the Bulldogs are just even when they were an AHL team, they had such a they were such a staple in the city for so many years. Even go back to when I was a kid. Well, the Habs farm team. Habs farm team. You see all the great players that Carey have come Price. out of this city and have played for these teams that yeah. you, you you probably didn't even know they played for them. Carey Price, P.K. Saban. Yeah. Ron Hainsey. Uh, There's a long list. There's a long, long list of guys who have gone on to have good NHL careers and great NHL careers that you probably would have, did not even know that they played in the city for, for years. And then as an OHL franchise, they just won the OHL Cup. Two years ago, yeah. not this past year, the year before that. They had a lot of prospects. Like I said, they had Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas played for the Bulldogs. He just won the Cup with the Blues. Yeah. And he played for the Bulldogs. And he won the, I think he won the OHL championship with the Bulldogs. So that's then he, a, that's then he a, goes on to win a Stanley Cup within the next well, year or two. It's a big interview tomorrow. And like I said, so, we, it'll be airing on Monday at 9.30 a.m. on 93.3 CFM. You can also hear it here on the Purposely Offside podcast. That will be with head coach of the Hamilton Bulldogs, Vince Lace. I'm, look, the, I'm looking forward to that. Where's Brian G? Oh, yeah. We didn't even say where Brian G was. Where is he? Is he sick or something? Brian G, Brian G got signed with the New England Patriots. <laughs> That's it. He he tried it. He got out of his contract here at Purposely Offside, and Bill Belichick got on the phone quickly after. So Yeah. So he went with the New England Thanks, Patriots. He joined, he's joining Antonio Brown. May or may not go live in Tom Brady's pool house with his family. To get settled in. Unbelievable. No, Brian's away for the week. I think he said he was doing Spanish classes. Oh, yes. Interesting. Probably wasn't his idea. <laughs> we'll have to ask him. We should have tried calling him, try to get him in an interview during his class. What are the odds that Brian... Sorry, what are the odds that taking Spanish class was Brian's idea? If you have to give it a, if you have to give it a Jerry's, Jerry, percentage, Jerry's percentage, what would, what would a Jerry's, Jerry's percentage be that Brian was like, we need to take Spanish classes? I'm gonna say, and we'll ask him about this next week. I'm gonna say ten percent. Wow. I'm gonna go two percent. Wow. No way this is Brian's idea. Just no way. But he'll be here in studio tomorrow as we do our interview with Vince Lace. Any last words? No, it's been an exciting week. Um, I can really feel it in the air for sure. Like sports talk ramping up. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, the shit fired up. I'm getting so fired up for this year. I mean, we're going to have a great interview tomorrow which everyone will be able to hear next week. Hockey training camp opens in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully Mitch Marner signed. It's We're at a great month coming up. And NFL is back, baby. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to be rolling right into the new year. Love it, buddy. All right, guys. We're out here on Purposely Offside. Mitch Marner signed a goddamn contract. Later, guys. See ya.